a defender of the veil. Guess who's back? Yeah, there he is. Who's back. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Game of Owns. Our friend Brendan Beefish is back. What's going on, guys? Good to be back. How are your friends? We're back hey. to talk about Book of the Stranger. Pretty good episode. Mike is currently playing basketball with LeBron James and company. He's, he's a busy man right now, so we, we decided to reach into the Riverlands and, and pull out a stranger with a book to help us today. Do, do I have a book? I mean, I yeah, have my book, microphone resting on the world of ice and fire, but I don't have an actual book of the stranger. That's a pretty good book to have. If you only have one book, though, the world of ice and fire, it's pretty good. It, it's not very compactable. You can't really travel easily with it because it's literally. <laughs> you can't travel like that. It's weighing you down. <laughs> we should start out th- this conversation. I know that everyone's really excited to talk about uh, that fourth episode, but uh, the world of ice and fire has just, you guys are, you know, the art inside of that book. It just makes me want to move in and never leave. Oh, yeah. I, one of my favorite artists is uh, featured in there. She does a lot of work for Lord of the Rings. Um, I'm going to butcher her name because she's French, but uh, Magali Villeneuve. Uh, she's a fabulous artist. Um, she did one of my favorite paintings of, of Faramir, who's one of my favorite characters in fiction. Uh, she does a lot of artwork in the World of Ice and Fire. It's fantastic. No kidding. And so she got the gig doing the, the World of Ice and Fire book. Yeah, so she 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 draws a, a bunch of cool things from from the world of ice and fire. A bunch of the Targaryen kings she she ends up painting in the book. So a lot of their portrait type things. Uh. Um, Jahar is the first who I don't think he's been referenced in the show yet, or if he will be referenced necessarily. But he she does a really good um, painting of him and his wife um, Alysanne. Uh So it's it's a cool it's a cool book. Lots of great artwork in and it. A wonderful mic stand. Yeah, yeah, and a wonderful mic stand. Because <laughs> more importantly, how big this book is on my desk. I, re- I remember going through that for the uh, Valyria segments and being just mesmerized and blown away. Oh yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. We need to bring those back, guys. Yeah, we got to talk about the Doom a little bit more. Though the only Doom I'd be talking about this month is the game Doom, which just came out and I played and beat, and it was awesome. <laughs> um, this sounds a lot like a Squadcast episode so like far, guys. But let's let's actually segue from Squadcast and get into our our own episode, our second episode of the week. There's so much, yeah. Zach, I was there when you promised everybody that this would bring deeper discussion into all of the facets of episode four, um, as we normally do on these, on these types of episodes, but everything from the pink letter to Tyrion's, uh, attempt at diplomacy, whether it would work or not. Brendan, I guess, you know, this is our first time being on a podcast together. You and I, yeah. I'd love to know your thoughts on, Tyrion's diplomacy, which we talked about on Monday. I'd also love to know your thoughts on Theon. Uh, but just in general. Separate. Just in general. Yeah. yeah. Like general that's feelings of how you feel out of character. <laughs> well, Theon, no. Um, um, <laughs> Tyrion, it's, it's really interesting about Tyrion. Um, what I think is, is fascinating about Tyrion and his diplomacy is that uh, I think the showrunners and perhaps by extension George R. R. Martin, when he was originally writing Tyrion's arc and, and Marine. Mm. was writing with the historical idea of American Reconstruction in mind. Um, what I mean by that is that in America, after the Civil War and the uh, the victory by the North over the South, uh, Abraham Lincoln had this great idea that it would be a, um, a kind of long-term reintegration of the South into the North. And whereas there were others who said, you know, we need to immediately impact slavery and end all of the uh, the segregation and all the evils of slavery that are attached to it. But um, the reality was that, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln's assassinated and then his, per- his 
um, the next guy who comes up, Andrew Johnson, is then he's his idea is to reconstruction model Lincoln's, but he's ended up being overruled by the by radical Republicans. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of interesting. I think there's a parallel there between Abraham Lincoln and perhaps Tyrion. I don't want to say that Tyrion is Abraham Lincoln necessarily, but I was going to say this right. could spell doom for for Tyrion. It, it could, although, although I, I I I would doubt it. But it's it's interesting because you have that kind of radical. We need to end slavery now. Perspective by Masande and um, oh, Grey Worm and Grey Worm, uh, and then you have the guy who's more like you know we need to like gradually integrate this region into like into being non-slave. Um, right. So I think it's a really interesting take on Tyrion. Whether it's successful, you know, Abraham Lincoln wasn't necessarily successful in ending um, segregation in the South and ending all the horrors of slavery immediately. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see, I guess. Tyrion's diplomacy was a topic in question. We submitted questions again, this time for on Watchers on the Wall and on Patreon and on Facebook and all over the place and sort of preparation for our discussion. And a, and a very strong uh, consensus of you believed that Tyrion's decisions were were not going to necessarily work and also that uh, maybe that was okay with him. Maybe that that was part of what he was planning. So in comparison to American history, I think this huge variable of Daenerys moving with her new horde of Dothraki adds just a sensational twist to uh, a very interesting structure that George R. R. Martin and the showrunners have implemented into the show, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I there was a comment from Dolores Yaga, the 99th Lady Commander <laughs> on Watchers, who says, which is a great name, who plays off this point and says that the reference, so they reference in the inside the episode, they reference the Abe Lincoln thing. And what they are trying to say is that this is going to be telling of what's going to happen next, as in the slavers like the American slave owners are going to reject this Tyrion trying to avoid war. And then that's this is going to be his moment where we learn that there are Diplomacy doesn't always work, um, which everybody assumes that Tyrion going to Slaver's Bay is to show Danny how to do it. And even I kind of assume that. Um, but I thought this Dolores Yaga made an interesting point about history in the sense of like, we know it, that the slave owners rejecting this and the slavers in this instance are rejecting it as well. And kind of what that means for Tyrion's uh, storyline or necessity in, in this this is the question that we specifically asked. With the massive update in Danny's storyline, how does Marine play into their future? I guess um, their meaning Marine. Will Tyrion's plan work, or will it be doomed to failure? It's such a it's a good question. Like Jeff was saying too, like um, about Tyrion being there, and Hannah was saying this about you know to show Danny how it's done, how political machinations work, because she burns her enemies for crying out loud. I mean, that seems to be her go to. Obviously, if it were me, that would be, you know, that's your power. Go for it. Play it. But for Tyrion to, on one hand, present this alternative to actually talking out your problems, but then for him to also just be wrong, and it turns out that all of Slavery's Bay does need to be engulfed in flame for it to all work out, that would be very interesting to me. That's like a pretty strong lesson. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) What's fascinating, though, is that in both the show and in A Dance with Dragons, as you guys have done your read-through, Daenerys is trying to build peace in, in Marine and in Slaver's Bay. She's right. trying to create this atmosphere where um, it doesn't necessarily have to end in fire and blood, that they can work through things like politics. Because, I mean, you know, as they say, you know, politi- you know politics 
war is politics by another means, but if you can avoid that type of situation, then it's preferable. But Daenerys now is at the point where she's saying, I'm not going to negotiate with people like the calls. I mean, they're awful, terrible, evil people. Small men. Small <laughs> men, right. <laughs> but but then when you get back to Marine, she's in this position where is she going to have the same mentality where she says, you know, I don't have to like worry about solving the problem of slavery, Marine. I can my, – my destiny is in Westeros. I have dragons. I can burn my enemies. It, you know, and, and there's a sense of catharsis in what Daenerys did with the uh, the Dothraki, but that might have um, consequences for the future of her arc. Will she then feel like that she can just burn her way out of every situation? What happens right. when she gets to Westeros and she's not confronted with calls and with um, slavery? She's confronted with people that don't that don't practice slavery. Westeros is slave free, or she's confronted with people that are just you know, frankly, not quite as bad as the Dothraki are necessarily. Right. People who are more up to their fire code. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so interesting because we've seen Daenerys use force in the past and it's, it's always worked to her advantage because I feel like she's really channeling that the part of herself that is, uh, you know, like she gets into flow state whenever uh, the going gets tough and it's, it's a joy to see because we, we root for her. Does her reaction to what the calls were doing in that one tent uh, sort of add a template for the rest of her campaign? Because she didn't murder you know, thousands of people. She didn't sack a city in that instance. She burned a group of people that were threatening her with rape. Right. Yeah, that's 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 true enough. And I do take some comfort in Tyrion's line. Um, when I rewatched the episode, this really stuck out about Tyrion talking about how the slavers will or rather the masters will will underestimate them at every turn and they can use that to their advantage. And Grey Worm had a great point, you know, they don't you, you won't use them, they will use you. That's great. But but I mean Tyrion in general thinking that they're being underestimated um is pretty much Danny's whole whole song too because she is continually underestimated by all of her enemies. Um so that and that alone like that line alone made me connect what Tyrion was trying to do in Marine without Danny, and what Danny was doing without, obviously having Marine. That that she's she's forging forward because people simply do not give her the time of day. Like she she's proving that she is so much more superior. I think that Tyrion's buying time, guys. I don't think that he has to fully believe in this idea. I think that it, it maybe it works for the moment, but I believe that he believes in the Dragon Queen, and I also believe that. It, he believes if the Dragon Queen ends up not working out, that he could make an easy exit. Well, you guys talked about on Monday about how, you know, Tyrion will most likely eventually leave, right? Is, is Slaver's Bay going to return to slavery the moment that Daenerys and Tyrion and some of her people, you know, take off for, for Westeros? Is right. it going to have any legitimate or actual impact on the tens or maybe even hundreds of thousands of people that'll be brought back potentially brought back into slavery and that's always kind of annoyed me about this whole situation that we're in in both the books and series is that does it really matter because she's gonna leave eventually and this isn't her end goal she's bound for for westeros right and so she's i mean i'm not trying to say i think that what she's doing is important and what she should be doing but is there going to be a real end to it that's going to actually make a difference or that's actually going to matter and actually going to do something for these people before she just kind of leaves everything and maybe some sort of chaos and heads to Westeros. And, and based you know, solely like, on 
using this as a testing ground for your ruling has always made me feel a little uncomfortable just because this is like real people and real situations. And then she's just, you know, just like you were saying, does it matter? Does Tyrion really need to be fully bought into this idea? Because he's got seven years and they're not going to be here for seven years. They may not even come to the gates. The pale mare may not even ride. Like that whole situation (laughs) may not even happen for another year or so if Daenerys doesn't return, you know? With 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 with, right. with how he's treating them now, it's obviously different in the books. But I'm trying to think of uh, the timetable here, and it's interesting because if it ends up working out in his favor, um, there won't be much of a reason for blood and fire to to take place whenever Danny returns. So I, I don't believe that it's going to work out directly in his favor. But I could be totally wrong, and that's one of the great things about what's happening right now in season six. And I'm glad that you're here talking with us, Brendan, because I know how much you love the series, and uh, we've been without. Uh, a resolution to so many things the way that a dance with dragons ended in a way that a lot of storylines ended in a feast for crows um we're getting some flavor on that and uh it's so cool yeah it's fascinating to see maybe not some resolution both well actually some resolution but also a lot of new questions brought up uh to talk a little bit about you know about daenerys and Tyrion, it might not necessarily impact the people there but it will have, an, and it seems to have had so far, one of the resolutions is that it's had a deliberate impact on, on Daenerys' storyline. Because Daenerys now, I my, my take from the scene was that she rediscovered her identity of fire and blood and this kind of, you know, we will take what is ours by right type thing. Um, yeah. Which I think is, is uh, it's not great, but it's fascinating for, for her character <laughs> arc. Um, it's right. Kind of, but it, it, and that's going to have an impact a, as she returns to Marine. I think that's going to be monumental to see her say, you know, fuck Marine, fuck slavery. It's not our problem. We're going to Westeros type thing and we will take what is mine by right type thing. I think that's what the, the impact is going to be awful for the people that might be left behind, but it's maybe it's positive for her in, for her going forward into uh the rest of her character arc well that ties back directly to uh what you were saying hannah i know that it's what she's doing is problematic but people dying in gruesome ways are problematic you know then the things that happen to someone like jamie mm-hmm. or the things that happen to lawless stookworth right if you want to get into if you want to get into problematic things, uh, there's <laughs> but that's the story George R. R. Martin is writing, and I think it's very. And right. He just posted our uh, watchers just posted an, art, uh, an article um, with an interview that he did recently, speaking about fan fiction and about the nature of uh, characters dying in a story, and it sort of directly relates to this. That he feels an obligation. Uh, and this is obviously not a direct quote, but the sense that I got from it is that he's trying to write a great story, and inside of that is reality. And we've always spoken about how a song of ice and fire, uh, even dangerously touches on reality and, and game of thrones does as does as well and it kind of turns some people off and the gruesome nature of stuff and for this being a um a cultural problem in so many different ways um this is the this is the way that uh essos is and this is the way that this conqueror is handling things and it may not shake out uh where you know the story is wrapped up and we feel like there's some resolution in slaver's bay it may just shake out that um daenerys as a person as a as a character that is growing into the person that she is, um, learns from these experiences and is able to better take on her future 
um, battling, hopefully, and defeating uh, the evil coming from the Great North. But we don't know if that's actually going to happen. We're not sure right. how that's all going to play together. But hopefully that's what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully her experiences let her become someone or lead her to become someone um, that is, is as the best version of herself. And with the show, we don't we didn't have the moments when she was flown away by Drogon and walking in the field and uh, going through and, and, and sort of seeing visions within herself and speaking to Viserys, like a lot of those growth moments were missing in the show and that, and that's okay. But I feel like maybe they're being expressed in different ways. And I think with Tyrion there helping her in the way that he is, or at least stalling, I'm not sure how it's all going to play out because we've got six more episodes for her. And if we think that she's going to be leaving by the end of the season, that's six more episodes. And I don't think that with the way that the, the show has been paced so far, I don't think that we're going to have, you know, three episodes of her traveling toward Marine. Right. No. When she's standing there with all the Dothraki and fire burning behind her, I screamed out loud into the void. I am so ready for her to head back to Westeros. Like this is <laughs> it's time Westeros, for her to go. Well, it's, yeah. it's 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 funny in her last chapter in A Dance with Dragons, she has this whole internal monologue yeah. or a, a conversation where she says in her mind, "Dragons plant no trees," which to me has always said that <laughs> you know I'm not here to plant roots into Marine or into Slaver's Bay. My destiny lies elsewhere. And she finally realizes that her destiny is fire and blood by the end of her, her final chapter. So that's, I mean, obviously, I, I think that she's leaving Marine or and definitely leaving Vase Dothrak, but definitely leaving Marine as well by the end of the season to head back for Westeros. So Daenerys might not be picture perfect, guys. She may be a, just a Targaryen, you know? She yeah. may just be a Targaryen. Which that might be well, all it's, you It's great <laughs> because it makes like a really complex and complicated character because – yeah. We as an audience get that real sense of catharsis by Daenerys leaving Marine because, you know, we're kind of like, why the fuck is she in Marine anyways? She's just, <laughs> she's kind of spinning <laughs> her wheel, so there. to speak, before she she's gets back to She's trying to be a good ruler. She's giving it a shot. You she's know? <laughs> giving it a shot, but we're like, we're like, yeah, get the fuck out of Marine, Daenerys. But now we're like, well, wait a minute. That actually has a cost. Like that catharsis is being subverted by, by Tyrion, by, by the, by the Tyrion scene where, Basically, Masande and Grey Worm are like they're going to use you, and they're going to they're going to bring slavery back to Slaver's Bay the moment you guys roll out. And I think that's going to be that cost is very important for the storyline and how it's a realistic, not a fairy tale. Daenerys wins and then sails for Westeros type thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, to quote a very special person in the series: "To go north, you must go south. Mm-hmm. To reach west, you must go east." Mm-hmm. Yep. To go forward, you must go back. Mm-hmm. And to touch the light, you must pass beneath the shadow. <laughs> so will she the sail sh- east to reach west? The well, I'm wondering. That's I think she of. probably sails west. You think so? Oh, God, I just want to go It would be east, really though. cool if she finds a new okay. continent that's east of Essos and it's just like, hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> Let's oh. free everyone. <laughs> Everyone's like, no. no I mean, <laughs> I have these hopes, guys, that within the... the the last two books we're going to explore more of the world you know yeah dude the hall of the winged men we need what i'm saying absolutely see that yeah that's what i'm saying man Uh, if she's this is just i don't know everyone listening right now is just shaking their heads at me (laughs) see i want to go i want everything to be resolved in westeros and tied up with a little bow and then we get like 15 chapters no i want 
the whole series to end, and then then we get fifteen chapters exploring all these different corners of like the land. Like Return of the King. Yeah, yeah. I get so frustrated. Like I just want to let's figure out what happens, and then we can go play somewhere else later. Well, Harry went upstairs and me. relaxed at the end of the series. Yeah, bittersweet ending. That's what George said about his ending to his series. So we'll have to see. I guess we'll, we'll basically have the new old Valyria once Westeros is safe in the, the rest of the world that Danny's laid waste to and that has just been that way for such a long time. We'll have to kind of definitively look toward Westeros as an example, right? Mm-hmm. Looking way in the future. Or everyone's yeah. going to lose and the plant's going to be covered in ice and it's just going to be like good luck for any other uh, interplanetary visit. Like someone's exploring, they find Westeros, and it's like, oh my god, have you, this guy, like the yeah. Night's King, it's like a waste. Yeah, it's just on like a ninety-story dragon. Just, oh Jesus! And he's brand. Did you guys ever see Battlestar Galactica, the the reimagined series? Oh yeah, where they they landed on Earth in season four, mm-hmm. I think, or something like that. Spoiler, it's just a man. Waste. Yeah, sorry, it's not actual Earth. <laughs> they but they landed on Earth, dude. Not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only on season three. Dude, it's 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 been ten years since that show. I know, out. dude. That's fair. That's the most fair argument anyone could make. <laughs> well, it's not the end of the series, so there's a whole two and a half yeah, more seasons okay. after all that. Right, so. Fine, sure. That would be the <laughs> ultimate lesson from George R. R. Martin. He's like all of these books, and they ended up winning. <laughs> Talk about a bitter, yeah, the world's a bitter scary place. We were talking about fairy tales not too long ago and i can't help but think immediately of the high sparrow and the fairy tales that he's telling to tom and marjorie oh my gosh um, which it, it it ties into obviously our our, our question from for the week um but i i've really just loved and i i haven't been quiet about my love for the high sparrow in these last couple episodes um and especially like this week too we got no shortage of just i mean i guess we got the the crux of his his backstory he finally, um, somebody tweeted us, we finally know why he doesn't, why he really doesn't <laughs> why wear shoes. Why he's not wearing shoes. Why he's not wearing shoes. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's spent some so time. As, uh, but getting to the, the question for this week, which which involved the High Sparrow, um, which was, and I'll recap, is the High Sparrow really planning to march Marjorie through the streets? Or is this a ruse? What did the High Sparrow kill, uh, tell King Tommen? Um you know, and I, I really don't know about this. Like, even under a second rewatch, it wasn't really clear to me what he may have spoken with Tommen that was left out. That Cersei is kind of left to question for herself what kind of relationship they now have together. It's kind of weird and scary, I think, both to Cersei and to us that the High Sparrow could have hoodwinked or otherwise endeared Tommen to him as well as he did. But he did. This is, this is the world we live in where now the king. He took his time getting to him, but once he got to the king, he really got to the king. Yeah, and this is an interesting question because I think that things are finally starting to pick up in King's Landing. And the majority of the comments on Watchers said that the High Sparrow is manipulating Tommen. And I think that a lot of people are in agreement with that. It's just a question of what's he telling him and what's the outcome going to be. So there's a couple different things that I saw people answering to that question is that High Sparrow, and there's implications for each of them. The first would be who really killed Joffrey, which I think is really interesting. Um, And I think, yeah, my favorite of what he could be telling him, because I think that that is going to create a really weird dynamic between the Lannisters and the Tyrells, um, which we can talk about. And then who Tommen's parents actually are could be a reason or Cersei's relationship with other men. 
Um, those are like the top three things that I saw people saying could be what the high spirit was telling Tommen. But I, I love who killed Joffrey as being what he's really finding I'm out. So excited to talk to you guys about this. <laughs> <laughs> could they could they turn husband against wife here? I mean, I, Tommen is so fond of Marjorie, and they haven't seen each other for, in so long. Like it's just. I, I can't imagine a world in which he's not just like thrilled as as punch to see her again. I think a pretty good remedy for that would be for the highest power to lean in and say, "Hey, <laughs> Tommen, you remember that scene with Loris and Marjorie last episode, where he said he just <laughs> he's wants like, it yes, to stop?" I watched it several times. Well, we've been we've been speaking at him from the seven pointed star and whacking him with spoons for weeks now. And he told us about a plot to murder the king of the seven kingdoms that your wife and Lady Olena carried out pretty flawlessly. It's just so it's so it's such an unpredictable, like, I guess, wild card is the right term for it, because on the one hand, from this episode, you get Cersei and Lady Olena deciding to work together for the greater good. Right. And Kevin's in there and Jamie's in there somewhere because they they definitely don't want marjorie to be marched through the streets the way that cersei was even though cersei survived and marjorie is also likely to survive olena decides that her pride is such uh and in general it would just be something that would be best to be prevented so they're going to be working together but in the meantime you have i mean the high sparrow has tommen's ear she's like what are what are you even gonna and tommen's the only one that matters because he's the king so, you know, how's that going to interfere with with this new uneasy alliance? Well, and to Zach's point, everything that Loris knew or knows, I absolutely believe the High Sparrow knows at this point. Because he, yeah. I mean, you look at the state that he's in, there's no way that he's been able to keep quiet. And like you said, he just wants it to end. So he's going to say whatever he needs to say just to get out of there. Um, and so whether or not he actually would know that Joffrey was killed by his family... Um, and I also think it's interesting, did implying that Marjorie was behind this as well? Because I don't think that's something that we've necessarily explored or I haven't explored before. Well, it did sound, from season four, I, I don't remember Marjorie being, Marjorie was was shocked when Elena told her. Because, I mean, there was just Elena and Marjorie for that one scene in season four. Right. So, I don't right. think that Marjorie was in on it, but she's at least aware of it. And by yeah. being aware of it, she becomes complicit in it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, by concealing information. And we know how much the High Sparrow hates dishonesty, um, seemingly. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I'm not so sure that it has to do with Joffrey. I think it's a little more straightforward in that it's, to me, it seems like the High Sparrow is wanting to put the Lannisters and the Tyrells at each other's throats and to gain power over that. There was one commenter on Watchers of the Wall Caspall assassin who said one of the productions still showed Jamie and Mace Terrell on horseback with a bunch of troops at the outset on the onset of what appears to be a rescue mission at the bottom of the steps. That's when Marge tells everybody to chill. She's got this under control. Um, for me, that's really what you're talking about here is that the High Sparrow wants to discredit Cersei Lannister and to put them at odds, as well as discredit the Tyrells as well. Because if the Tyrells march through the streets of King's Landing with an army, the optics of that are horrific to have an army marching through the streets to kill the people who are handing out food and relieving the uh, poverty of the worst off in King's Landing. And then, especially after all that's been happening. Right. So it's like a three way, it's like a three, two, one type thing. You have the Lannisters and Tyrells 
you know, the last the Terrells to think that the Lannisters set the Terrells up to look like a bunch of sons of bitches, and then you have <laughs> the Lannisters. Uh, then you have the people hating on the Terrells because the Terrells have marched an army through raid to kill the one guy who is actually trying to bring positive, quote unquote, positive social change to Westeros. So I think it's a little, it's complex, but it's a little more simple than he told Joffrey what was going to happen. I think it's pretty clear that the High Sparrow said, we're going to march Marjorie through the streets. And then he's not, he hasn't planned that at all. He has something else Mm. in mind. Yeah. 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 Do you think that there's a possibility of the High Sparrow being overly confident in his ability to pit the Lannisters and the Tyrells against each other. And then maybe that could ultimately lead to I mean, to they, his death. they were already against each other. Let's be real. But I think yeah. through, through but not, not being able to reunite kind of thing, I guess is what I'm yeah. saying. Well, if they're also fighting each other, like if they're literally if Lannisters and, and Tyrells are fighting each other in the streets, then that's, that's a win for, for the, the small folk and for the uh, high sparrow as well. The nature of this conflict is, and and where the High Sparrow plays into the rivalry, is why I lean so much toward um, a, a rather heavy thing being spoken to Tommen. Uh, knowing who the High Sparrow is and knowing how he is, I don't think that he would tell Tommen that great of a mystery. But at the same time, I'm not. I don't know. I just I'm thinking of the way Tommen was looking at Cersei when they were talking. So I feel like some of it had to do with Cersei as well. Maybe it was one thing. Maybe it was a few things. Maybe it was only uh, a speak on Marjorie's walk. But if, if he was told more about Joffrey, um, that would explain the line that Cersei had when she was speaking to Kevin Lannister. I just felt like she had this level of cool about her. And Jamie as well had this level of cool when they walked in that small council chamber, just of kind of like knowing something more than they did. And... Uh, Maybe this, I don't know, it felt like a, a renewed confidence. And that could be me projecting. It could have only been there because they knew that, that Marjorie was going to be walked. But when she said, and she looked very stern when she said it, when she said, stand aside and let the people that took him from you be destroyed. Yeah, I just felt like it was such a welcoming conversation with the Tyrells, almost uncharacteristic, um, even just to get the High Sparrow out of power. You know what I, I mean? I can see that. I can see that. Well, she's trying to consciously model herself after her father. You know, her father was famous for being one of the best plotters in Westeros, planning the Red Wedding, then on like a more micro level in King's Landing, plotting to separate in the show Sansa and Loras and in the books, uh, San- the Sansa and um, and Willis marriage. Um, so she's, she's trying to get returned to that seemingly that Taiwan-esque model of being the better person and having the drop on her, on her enemies. But I think it's going to blow up in her face. I think so too. We have basically two options. She's doing really well or she's continuing down the path of possibly being too aggressive and, um, and, you know, choosing the prideful approach. But if she's doing really well, she's going to pull everyone into a trap and she's going to fuck everyone up. Right. And I think pulling the entire Tyrell army into the city and then wrecking them would be a smart move for Cersei if if she knows something that they don't. I'm not sure if it would be smart, though, because a lot of trouble is a lot of trouble. And wouldn't they be more valuable as real allies? And I think the only thing that would cause her to break that, because I think that she's got some newfound knowledge and intelligence when it comes to hiding her pride and playing the game, because she's always been uh, good at manipulation, but bad at uh, following uh, her emotions through correctly, because sometimes it happens poorly. But I feel like the one thing that would make her act poorly after all that she's gone through with the walk is learning about who really killed Joffrey, and it was those motherfuckers she already hated. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's... 
someone pointed out, I think on Reddit or elsewhere, that um, the Reigns of Casimir song was played very kind of um, quietly in the background. Where it, cer- it certainly was. Then that's the first time I've actually consciously noted that during an episode since the Red Wedding. It happens all the time on the show. It really, truly does. Yeah, I mean, it could be that that Cersei has something planned for the Tyrells themselves, but I'd be very curious to see how what she would do practically. Because she doesn't really have an army in, in King's Landing, as far as we know. She has one guy, and that's all she needs. <laughs> Kevin's got the army. Yep. All, all I all I thought of when I heard the music was like, oh, this isn't going to end well. Like, oh, it's it's great. They're trying to forge an alliance, but this song is playing. <laughs> you know what that means. Check the loft for some violinists with uh, some, some ammo. Would it not be the only thing that would push her to do this? Because Marjorie's already captured by the High Sparrow. I feel like her enemy right now is the High Sparrow. Right? It is. I mean, she's created this monster. We're not even talking about Franken Mountain. We're talking about the High Sparrow. She's she's armed the Faith Militant. What's it going to take for her to divert her attention back on the Tyrells, or at least furiously onto the Tyrells? So I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where the season is going to take us. I mean, our drama in King's Landing could be limited to trials by combat and trying to get people out of the clutches of the Faith, and that's really that. I'm sure that will make for a compelling season, just the same. But total chaos in King's Landing would be crazy. And uh, that's what I'm hoping that we see. And there's always Daenerys on the horizon, too. Exactly. Right. <laughs> that, that is really interesting how the show has really clearly become sort of not, I don't want to say like about two places, but about two places where you've got so many people and so many sort of plot lines in King's Landing, which at the moment I feel are still being overshadowed by all the stuff in the North because the episodes always open in the North this season. But, you know, like there's these two very distinct areas. Yeah. Besides Daenerys over, overlooking it, as you mentioned, but that that's that's where it's at. It's it's one or the either, and I think both will have really satisfying, really sort of epic, con- like conclusions that even this season, where they're they're leading towards the storyline of like there's just this massacre, which which occurs in both. Well, since this is beyond figuratively where we are, uh, at least in the in, in the book series, uh, do, do you think that? They're ever going to have to the Tyrells um, take credit, you know, like like pay up morally for what they did, their plot with Joffrey, or is it just going to be something that falls away? That's the question, isn't it? It's like, well, at what point is it karmaic? Uh, you know, when when will they actually when when will it become relevant? What they did to the fact that they not only assisted Baelish in getting what he wanted, but they. I mean, the, the king needed killing. Like that—that's—that's that's the thing for me. It's like for me, their karma's at zero because they did what needed to be done. But <laughs> who's left to care? I don't know. Well, I think it's interesting is that the Tyrells, both in book and show, seem so invincible. They have the largest army. They have the most political clout in King's Landing. Um, at the ends of a dance with dragons, they have the most uh, small council seats, and they—they they seemingly have that in the show as well. Um. Seemingly in both the books and the show, if you have an overwhelming um, superiority in terms of soldiers and political power, you're being set up for a pretty big-ass fall. Um, and I think that's something that's going to happen both in the show as well in the books. It might be more directly tied to the faith in the show. And the books, it, it you know, with that, because I know, Eric, you haven't read through A Dance of Dragons all the way. Right. Um but there's a significant, we'll just say, presence in Westeros by the end of A Dance with Dragons that is on a collision course with the Tyrells. Um, actually, 
and I, I wrote about this, and I don't want to spoil it for for those who haven't finished Dance with Dragons yet. Um, but I have written a, a fair amount about what I think is going to happen in the Winds of Winter with the Tyrells, which is going to be a little bit different from what we're anticipating in the show. Mm. But I think the end result is going to be the same, if that makes sense. And that's going to be the destruction of many, if not all of the Tyrells in, in and around King's Landing. Sorry, Randall Tarley, or not. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is sort of a shame, is like all the things you kind of hope for the next book, the series has become so streamlined that you'll probably miss it in the show. But that's actually also like a blessing too, right? I mean, ultimately the best stuff is going to remain in the books and it's going to be there for you when it comes out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like there's, there's a ton of stuff that the show is kind of either glossed over or skipped altogether that we won't see in the show. So we'll have a, a lot of material that's going to be quote unquote unspoiled, so to speak. But I think a lot of the end results... Like with the yeah. Terrells are probably going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what he's kind of said essentially, right? Like different ways to tell the same yeah. story. Different rows or something. Like he, he uses some sort yeah. of, yeah. I'm fine with how things are going. I think that we would obviously be a lot more critical on season six and maybe there'd be a, a lot less tumultuous celebration if we had the winds of winter to compare to that's uh, what's happening good, right now. I love not point. having anything to compare it to. Oh, really? I do too. It makes me like it yeah. more. It reminds me because I didn't start reading the books until after season two and it reminds me of season one and season two and that kind of excitement. So I, I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Like I spent all of last season just annoying. Oh, same here. Same here. <laughs> a lot of last people season did. was a pretty bad season of TV, but still. So I don't have so. to be annoyed this season. <laughs> I just am excited 24 seven. Let the speculation train continue. We have, uh, is this quite possibly the most cryptic title of an episode so far? Is it? Uh, More cryptic I, I, than home? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> or book of the dead. Okay. <laughs> or the Nightlands that early on. No big deal. Okay. Next week's episode The Door. The Door. What do you guys think? Doors. Doors are portals. Doors get you from one room to the other. Doors. Doors separate one room from the other. And they, they do. Prevent, they prevent the one, the one party from seeing what's going on the other side, which is what Bran sort of experienced in the Tower of Joy, where he wasn't let far enough into. The um, the mystery. See the, the door. Maybe it's what's on the other side of the door. That's what I think. I think that's it's an allusion to what's on the other side of the door that Eddard is going into in the Tower oh, of Joy. God. So like doors, doors as barrier. That's cool. Um. So the actual question that we asked was speculate. What is the significance of the door? And the majority of the comments that I read through on Watchers said that this had something to do with Hodor and his backstory. There was a couple different ideas as to what this could actually mean for his backstory, but the majority of people believe, and I think that this is smart, that we are going to go back to the Tower of Joy and Hodor is going to be with Lyanna. That's what Mike had thought as well. And that seems that seems like a huge leap. Like, yeah. is it? Does anybody else think that that's like a huge? I think it is huge leap. Yeah, I, I don't see Hodor being in. Dorn in Dorn or with Liana, definitely not with Ned. Since we by don't see, mm-hmm. but I think it's I think it's too much of a leap for for, for my taste. Well, so do you think that this is a leap? Some people saying that Hodor would translate to hold the door or or hold her, <laughs> um, and, hold her. and that has Hodor. something to do with with what um, 
whatever was happening behind there, and that's why he says Hodor. There, ne- there really needs to be on Game of Thrones the first, like the first two part episode ever, where it ends with a to be continued, and it start the next episode starts with a to be like concluded, where it's like one is called the Ho, then it's called Hodor. <laughs> I, I yeah. like that. On I like it. I, I don't. I think that there's something there. I don't think that that's a leap. I mean, I, I like, I love the, I'd love to believe that Hodor is going to be in Dorne with Lyanna. I'd love to believe that Bran, actually reading the episode description, um, it does seem that Bran, I think the description says that Bran learns a lot. Well, we know that we're going back to see young Hodor because they're in this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can only imagine that's going to be a continuation of what he's seen before, or if it is in connection with Liana, as it, the first vision was, um, possibly that will be in connection with the Tower of Joy. So I, that's why I think that Micah and, and, uh, readers and commenters and people that have just generally been speculating along with us are, are attaching Hodor with the Tower of Joy. I think that it makes a lot of sense. Like it's not left field. It, it's, it's a jump geographically. Um, for that time, but we also don't know a lot about what was happening during that time. We, we, we know that Hodor now, we, now we know that Hodor was at, in fact in Winterfell with these people, um, which was, you know, people would have considered a big leap until we saw it. Yeah. But, um, we don't know about what's happened between the time that they were small children and the time that, uh, Lyanna's up in this tower surrounded by Targaryen Kingsguard. I mean, maybe, maybe Hodor just, or sorry, Willis just saw, like the birth of Jon Snow and just lost his mind at like the beauty at Jon Snow's uh, man bun of the Christ of the Christ child yeah of the, the of the symbolic child being born I, I'm just I'm not sure what to expect it's it's just so funny because what I think is going to happen next episode based on the preview etc and then there's this possibility that something huge with Dorne will happen with the like the this is when we'll get the part two of Tower of Joy yeah. I'm not sure they're going to totally reveal everything this episode. I, I feel like what's behind the door is the big, you know, turning point in the season. You know, a lot of us, including myself, speculate that it's John behind the door with Liana. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like they will try to draw that out. And I wonder if he's going to be yanked back from the Weirwood again by the Three-Eyed Raven. And the biggest cock block in all of us. He is, isn't he? It's <laughs> terrible. But um, the other thing is interesting too is that Bran seemingly has a vision of the others, and one of the shots that came out that uh, that Watchers on the Wall released today was of the Children of the Forest, seemingly. Yeah, in, I saw that. Like a forest type thing, I yeah. want to say, or or huh. d- definitely not in the middle of the cave. So I, I have to wonder if that is also a vision or if there's something else going on. The time on. of the first men. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a look back. Imagine if we got a, a, that sort of perspective. Oh, yeah, that'd be fascinating. God, that'd be amazing. It's like right into the Silmarillion. We're right? going to be spending a lot of time with Bran. I am really waiting for, like, the dedicated Bran episode. I kind of have already wanted that. Like, I wanted one of these episodes to be that, yeah. I mean, it's not really going to happen, but can we even at least have it, like, two-thirds of the way, please? If we're getting Tower of Joy and White Walkers and these Children of the Forest, <laughs> how are we going to fit that all into And Hodor. Yeah, and Hodor. So, Winterfell. So, oh, Night's King was in the preview. Yeah, exactly. So, th- we got to spend a lot of time with Bran. 
I would assume. Well, since this is the time that we're meeting the Night's King, and, and we speculated about what that means beforehand, we know that Bran can interact with his visions. I think it's time for us to get nitty gritty about this, guys, because it's going to happen on Sunday. Since we know that Bran can interact with his visions, and since we know that the Night's King can interact with Bran, because we saw that in the trailer before the series even started, this is not good. And as I said before the season started, and I feel exactly the same way, and my, my resolve has only been strengthened by what we've seen, the Night's King knowing about Brandon Stark is not good. The and Night's King him. knowing how Brandon Stark is doing, yeah, is doing what he's doing is not good. Um, so this right. is, I think this is, this is when it's going to happen. I don't know if the drama is going to happen with Bran standing in front of the army of the others, or if the mar- army of the others is going to stand right in front of Bran. And is the past or the present or the future when he does so? That's my question. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good question. about that. I'm worried about the present. Yes. Oh, I'm worried too. about the Night's King knowing what Bran is right yeah. now. Yeah. But like still yeah. when, when they meet, when it, when is it? And how does Hodor p- play into it mm-hmm. based off of the fact that his setup, would they have just showed us Hodor gratuitously as a young Willis interacting with Lyanna? Maybe it was a bit of fan service early on. That's completely possible. But I think that there's a major significance as we've all theorized with this character. And I think that the significance of the door is upcoming. And I think that we're going to find out that significance. I think it's time. Yeah, I, I, there is there is something up with Hodor. We always known that there has been. Um he wasn't always Hodor. My mom's like, is Hodor a Targaryen? Because he's got that silver Everyone's hair. a Targaryen. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I think we should consider what else the door might mean. Uh, there are a couple other doors that we have uh, throughout the the world of Ice and Fire. There's, of course, the the black and white door. Yeah, that uh, was, right? my, in the, that was in the, my first thought, was that... House of Black and White, major Arya episode, mm-hmm. maybe? Yeah, Arya finally leaving the House of Black and White, completing her training, walking out of that massive door. Um, into whatever it's going to be next. There's the red door that Danny has in her visions early on. <laughs> um, you know, there's a couple other doors that it that it could be. I, I love I love the idea that it's Hodor. I, th- I think that's pretty cool. I mean, it's possible, right? Like, I I love all the ideas that we've spoken about: Brand, the Night's King, the others, and Hodor. Yeah. But um, it's just the title of the door, it makes more sense to me that it's directly related to uh, what's behind it in the Tower of Joy or the House of Black and White or Danny's Red Door or figuratively the door opening for the past and the future, you know, other than specifically being about Hodor. But maybe, you know, maybe maybe something that happens with Hodor is in this episode. And it's just funny that it sounds like door. Ho- you know what I mean? Right. Like, so, you know, how like, he, like the titles are just door loosely attached something. to stuff sometimes. He's like. Yeah. Walking around Winterfell and like kind of stubs his toe on a door, and it's like that's why he started saying Hodor. Maybe the maybe the fir- maybe the very first shot of like Lord Tarly is that he's like building a door for his <laughs> <laughs> random opposite, just like hello, how's it going? Building a door, constructing. Dickon is like helping him. But I, I, it's strange to me that so many listeners are adamant about connecting Hodor gravitating with, towards Hodor yeah. with the door Jeff what do you make of that I think it's interesting I don't necessarily see it Hodor and the door being connected I, I think it's a coincidence but I I'm, I I will be surprised if it is and I'll be happily surprised if Hodor and the door are directly a lot of people think that he was hit by a door he could have been I mean the other the other theory that I've seen at least in terms of the book side is that Hodor saw something in his that made him lose his his mind, and so he can only say one word. Whether that's you know the Night's King or or the the Great Other in the books or, or anything like that, that's also a possibility too. Then maybe 
Hodor has some sort of power, the same power that Bran has, and was able to look through the door to the other side and sees the White Walkers. I mean, I, I'm just kind of spitballing here, so I, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess we'll have to really see. Paul from Dune is the only one who can look in the dark place. Like Hodor, maybe reached where Bran's reaching with the others, and uh, it didn't work out too well for him. Or maybe he was a disciple of the Three Eyed Raven at some point, you know, or he had the Ravens visited him, and he turned out not to work out as a. Uh, as uh, the three eyed ravens um, protege, well, I guess we'll have to see. Is it the door beneath the night night fork? Can we just finally get that? Even if it's for mm-hmm. one shot. Now I'm just thinking of now I'm just thinking of like season two lost lock. Like I've looked into the heart of the island, Jack, and what yep. I've seen was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Could be any door. Could be. Should be. Yeah, any door. I definitely think that. Or many doors. I definitely think it's more than just like a metaphorical opening of doors you know transition there were some comments the show should the episode should just be all doors across westeros getting opened (laughs) like the the transition between scenes should just Just be doors but i I do think it's more than just like a general metaphor for like old life into new life and transitioning into the second half of the season i do think that there's too many doors well i think the question that's on all of our minds it's our our fourth question uncharacteristic to the past few weeks we had to edit it in because <laughs> this is very important fourth question heart um, emoji with an arrow through it will brienne yeah. ever return Corman's affection heart emoji with stars around i think it. there's a door between them and that door is brienne's uh unwillingness Jamie. to get with uh anyone at the moment i really like this comment on watchers blank said of course it is known Tormund is the playa who was promised his is the song of the bear and the maiden fair the player that was promised we got a lot of feedback on this and some some very surprisingly long explanations yeah. of your feelings <laughs> this is the question that everybody grab gravitated to well it's funny Freyjoy, not on game of thrones however hbo will order a spin-off series where these two go on all kinds of wild adventures in post game of thrones westeros while having sexy time that makes outlander look boring <laughs> wow it's funny because so many of our owns on both twitter and facebook we're all saying things like, and you'll hear this under read them. This is a ship I never knew I needed. And this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as we all yep. kind of thought, sat down and thought about it, everyone's like, wait a second, can this actually work <laughs> out? And so the majority of people on Watchers said that this isn't actually real, but that we should just have fun with it while we can. Wait a minute. <laughs> Jeff, what were you telling us about? beforehand <laughs> well, on, on the squad cast? This is important. Well, an interview with, with Dan Sackham, he says that, yes, this is a real thing, but it's decidedly one-sided at this point between um, Tormund towards Brienne, but Brienne is not returning that affection, but men, quote-unquote, love a challenge. So I guess we're going to have to see if... I like that we're having a serious discussion about this right now. <laughs> Do you think he's going to make an attempt to steal Brienne? How's that going to go over for him? Uh, sort it's going to go over like it did with the bear, except even worse, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think Jamie's I mean, going to show up. It's funny in the books. There's a character named Mage Mormont who's briefly in the show. Who mm-hmm. uh, fans have speculated that Tormund has a relationship with, and that the children of Mage Mormont are uh, Tormund's. Tormund is the father of the daughters of Mage Mormont, uh, which is uh, kind of so cool. you saying that Mage and Brienne are going to fight once they make it to Bear Isle. That could be. That's that could be the end end result. Is that Mage Mormont Tormund. and Brienne fight for Tormund's affection. 
I just, I, I have to say, like, it's it's amazing how giddy we get over, like, the smallest, like, cafeteria room, like, glances over top of, like, the lunch table, like... Well, we're already giddy I, already, given the people that are sitting yeah. around that table. It's well, it's, well, it's, it's needed. It's much needed, like, levity, and it's like, hey, I didn't know I shipped it till I shipped it. This is my OTP. I think I finally found it. <laughs> but, but it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, like, in passing, oh, yeah, that... That will happen. I'd love to see it develop. Like what, what the relationship is clearly like, it, it's not necessarily going to be strained. I think they're on the same side at this point. They're going to support John a, or also Sansa, Sansa first and then John in whatever their, their goal is this season, which is to, to raid Winterfell, to get back, to reclaim Winterfell. I, I, I strongly believe that Tormund is closer than ever to John and is going to support him and rally the troops around him. I mean, I think there was some discussion about that in this episode, how many troops they could, you know, how many men do you have? 2,000 that can fight. So Tormund and John are tight, and Brienne and Sansa are tight, and Brienne, sorry, and Sansa and John, you know, are are on the same warpath. So I think it makes sense that there's going to be a lot of, you know, late-night meetings and tents on the way to Winterfell, where... Brienne and Tormund are going to have a lot of similar ideas and they're going to convey their, their thoughts and through sharing thoughts are going to get closer and bond. Well, my question this is, is your OTP. <laughs> Eric's written a lot of fan fiction already. I can't wait to read yeah, it. Can you read us a passage? Is, are you going to release it on Patreon? <laughs> His throbbing wild living member. <laughs> okay, oh, I God. changed my mind. You went right for it. I changed my mind. <laughs> That's the beginning of chapter six. <laughs> okay. I think that right. good question here, though, is how long Bran and Tormund are even going to be together because we know that she's going to eventually Forever. head to the <laughs> Riverlands. <laughs> Um, whether that's sooner rather than later, which I speculate is probably sooner rather than later. Um, but so will there even be time for any sort of relationship to develop? She's going back to the Riverlands with her one true love, Jamie Lannister. If she takes torment, oh God, Ooh. what a yeah, conflict. That's, that's true. Who holds a candle a to Jamie? Like who would win in a, I don't Jamie say fucking a fight. Lannister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Tormund would be, you know, the other side of that. He's a rugged, manly dude. He's killing it. Talk about a love triangle you never knew you wanted, right? right. Tormund, yeah, Jamie, Bane, Brienne <laughs> yeah, I do of want Tarth, it. and yeah, Jamie, the it. fucking Kingslayer Lannister. <laughs> hmm. Just that moment my, when my she walked just in. just grew 25 chapters. Everybody. <laughs> I, I can't wait to read it. I, I've seen so many iterations of it this week with just, like, the Titanic music behind it. You know? <laughs> Seriously, and they get with, funnier just, every time. It's so good, and I know that it's just levity and moments of drama, but I gotta hand it to the writers and all of those creating the series and the director for his uh, sense and timing and who edited the episode as well. Um, I know that this is not a comedy, this is not a comedic program, but they pull off comedy in some moments that is so much better than yeah. uh, shows that are actual comedies. I mean, this is a joke, not just because it was in Game of Thrones and it stands out because there's murder and stuff. This was so well done. You have to know that in that moment when they were filming this, that 15 second or so long shot of Tormund to Brienne, well, they were probably like, this is too much. This is going to be bad pussy all over again. But guess what? It wasn't. It was so good. Mm -hmm. So good. Brienne's and we're still talking is about so it. so perfect in this whole scene. <laughs> yeah. I can't read it. Because people are like, oh, she's totally into it. And other people are like, she's so confused. Um, and I <laughs> feel like her face is so great. Like, what is going on? It's awesome. Okay, so to definitively answer the question before we move to our owns, guys, will Brienne ever return Tormund's affection? Let's go around the table. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. I say no. I don't think so either. I said in my notes, I actually wrote, who cares? Space between each letter, all caps. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> it's kind of harsh. I know it is. Well, I had a hard you, shipping you, you, day today. You don't treat the other ships with like such contempt. Yes, I do. This morning, as you all know, uh, when I was just browsing through the internet, oh and yeah, I you do, you do treat every other ship some with John and Sansa fan fiction, and I was very disturbed not and confused it. and not about it. So maybe that's why we all have our own opinions. We all have our own opinions. To to which I replied, like, the theory is they're cousins, right? But still, <laughs> I was like, I hate the internet. <laughs> well, there are some owns that say that John and Sansa. Uh, crackpot theory people are going to start coming out of the woodwork so i'm not alone mm-hmm. not alone in that let's uh i'd be interested in reading those mike is not here this week so i think out of respect we're not going to go camping oh, gosh we can okay. do that right mm-hmm. and yeah mm. owns will begin and the owns are as follows Annabelle H. at Slacker Royale on Twitter says, Owned to Grey Worms, unexpected for a eunuch, bulge. He must be. Hashtag smuggling a hamster. Of course. That's what I thought of, too. Josh Williams on Facebook, Owned Brienne for that casual Stannis name drop to Davos and for finding her fucking soulmate <laughs> in Tormund. Hashtag Briennemund. I love less than common ship names. Hashtag OTP. Jane Choi says owns to Sansa, Marjorie, and Yara for their inspiring tough talks to their brothers, despite the bleakness. Hashtag hear her roar. Owned a little finger for that shady look and double entendre. Hashtag fray for fray or fray. Owned to Danny for doing what she does best, same time every year, but not needing Drogon to shore her up this time. Hashtag Danny for Azora High. Hashtag make Westeros great again. She's going to Dario and Jorah for making a devised death rag with no help and walked right up to the two Khaleesi's just like that. Hashtag better than Tom Tom. Khaleesi. <laughs> and finally, from Jane Choi, owned Brienne's side eye at Tormund. Hashtag the wall indeed. Hashtag no Romo. And finally, R.I.P. Osha. Wenda the White Fawn writes to us, I can't even count the owns in this ep. First owned to season six for blowing every other season away in the first four eps. Here, here. Nice. Shauna Evans, Daenerys. No explanation needed. She may have just won the entire Game of Thrones. She may have just won television. Hashtag owned. <laughs> and Gil Pound, owned to Tyrion for pointing out the fact that he has a larger coin sack than the slavers. Hashtag, hashtag sack up. Sack up. <laughs> it's time to sack up, guys. <laughs> On Facebook, Angela Birmingham says, Half of an own to Daenerys for living up to her house words once again, fire and blood. The other half of an own goes to the wall for hosting the highest concentration of gingers the North has ever seen. <laughs> Hashtag gingerwall2k16. Um, Daniela Harker. Excellent. Self-awareness own for Sansa and her acknowledgement that she was kind of a jerk when she was younger. Own of my heart to Tormund and Brienne, the ship that no one knew they wanted until it unfolded in all of its glory <laughs> right before Dolores Ed's confused eyes. But the ultimate own of all owns has to go to Daenerys, the ever unburnt. Hashtag Khaleesi, hashtag the roof is on fire. <laughs> Amy T on Twitter, own goes to my new OTP, Toran. Torben finally found the one for him. Hashtag please let this happen. I ship it. Aaliyah Dukakis from Twitter writes, 
Bones and literally every woman in this episode was schooling the men on pretty much everything. <laughs> it happened. Jason Nocero from Facebook writes, I was going to get my own to Dario for his crime scene cover-up. What better way to hide a stab wound <laughs> than by pulling a Franken-Mountain and bashing the head in? <laughs> but hmm, Daenerys owns all the owns by being the badass, unburnt mother of dragons, pyromaniac she is, and getting the Dothraki to follow her just as they did after she walked away from Drogo's funeral pyre. Hashtag no blood was spilt. Hashtag extra crispy call. Hashtag mm. torment on It's like not even in the own, but it's in the hashtag. Still works. Bad. I love it. Ricky Young from Twitter writes, own goes to Brienne and Pod for guiding Sansa to our first hashtag Stark reunion. Hashtag Wolfpack uh, of Two. So good. Oh. Now your oath is fulfilled. Love it. Dragon Dreamer. Danny doesn't need dragons. She is the dragon. How to mm. the Queen of Fire and Blood. I assume that means own. Dracaris. Dracaris. Scott Pressman on Twitter. Own goes to Daenerys Targaryen, who obviously doesn't hashtag feel the burn. <laughs> timely. It's very timely. Very political. Uh, Andrew Eifold uh, on Facebook. My own goes to the women in Game of Thrones. I love this. I love these broad, sweeping generalization like owns to the women in this episode. Cersei for getting the small council organized. Sansa for trying to get Jon to realize that the Boltons need to be sorted out. Marjorie for trying to keep Loras strong, Yara for wanting to rule the Iron Islands, and Daenerys for owning the biggest Kalasar in the world. Hashtag sisters are doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And Derek Jensen, the pink letter. I needed to get that out. So basically, <laughs> own to the Knights of the Vale for finally getting off their asses. Hashtag Sweet Robin kills Ramsey. <laughs> 2K16. This Not is with my an arrow, though. Robin kills Ramsey. I get hyped. Can you imagine the poetic justice? He's like trying to shoot an arrow and he misses like eight times. <laughs> he falls dreadfully short um, and kills Ramsey. Sirius Prokyan on Twitter. Danny is the physical embodiment of an own. Hashtag interface calls. Hashtag the unburnt. You read. And Throttle Fox. My own goes to Marjorie for having to listen to a simple man talk about making simple shoes. And yet he never wears them. <laughs> uh, Ginevra Weasley. First instinct own goes to Dario praying at the sight of the unburnt queen. Hashtag think the writer. I got to tap that. Uh, Laurel Outloud on Twitter. My own goes to Sansa Stark for proving all the haters wrong. Hashtag holy character development, Batman. Kieran Bryan. My first ever own goes to the unburnt. Bet that those horse lords wish they had just one knife to cut their way out of the Colby Q tent. Hashtag damn Danny. Damn <laughs> Danny. Colby <laughs> everybody. Back at it again with the fire uh, At Film Vulture on Twitter, own to Loris and Daenerys for making me think I was watching Burning Man. <laughs> okay. And triple own to Corman's sexy chicken eating. Hashtag foul love. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Foul love. F-O-W-L. Yeah. <laughs> Brianna Tarth says, Own the inevitable Brie Tormund ship owns me, and Ramsey owned Tonks' trachea. Eileen uh. Alexandra Kidder on Facebook, my own goes to Danny for pulling a Kanye. I'm gonna let you finish, <laughs> but I would be the best ruler of all time. <laughs> and then she did one better and burned the crap out of all the calls. Hashtag, yeah. now that's what I call a barbecue. Hashtag, who needs a dragon? Hashtag, not a body double. Ha ha. <laughs> and Vincent Andrea de Casse on Facebook, own to Jorah for some sweet pocket sand. Hashtag, <laughs> king of the hill. <laughs> I thought it worked. <laughs> Caleb McFarland writes, my own goes to the quote-unquote eyes of this episode, specifically the side eye that Robin's Falcon gives Bronze Jan Royce and the yep. bedroom eyes Tormund was giving Brie head. Hashtag, what you gonna do now, Royce? At 
John Dobro one says, "My own goes to Dario for lawyerballing the Dothraki with the with a quote unquote crushed head exemption to the quote unquote no spilling blood rule." Uh, <laughs> and then Heathen King writes, "Own to that that hug for bringing all the feels and making us all ask, where do we go now?" Hashtag I'm not crying, you're crying. Yeah. Can we talk about how many times we watched that scene? Well, Jen <laughs> Calhoun on Twitter. Uh, owned to the looks, Tormund gave Brienne all ep. Fuck Clegane Bowl and Snow Bowl. <laughs> I want Brienne Bowl. Jamie yes! vs. Tormund. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah, this is perfect. You can't lose, Jen Calhoun. Jamie versus Tormund. Hashtag dibs on loser. Right? Right? <laughs> it's a win-win all Whoever around. Whoever doesn't get Brienne, <laughs> she gets. There you go. I appreciate that. That makes sense. Uh, in the same spirit, ladies spirit on Twitter, Tonks. The own goes to Tonks for being the only person to go down, <laughs> actually trying to kill Ramsay. Good for her. Hufflepuff, man. Dante Targaryen. My own goes to Khaleesi for owning the Dothraki, uh, Dothraki for a second time, the exact same way. <laughs> Respect her name. And Jolie Johnson on Facebook. First own goes to Sansa. Well, this is, we get a lot of first owns this time. First one goes to Sansa. She has always been strong in ways that most people didn't understand, but today she showed us the Queen of the North fight that has been within her this whole time. Second own goes to Daenerys for the ultimate mic drop. Gary Manis, the Manis, owned to the High Sparrow for being a party animal back in the day. Hashtag Coblin ain't easy. <laughs> Johanna Camacho Gash on Facebook and owned to poor Ed for remaining focused on the main goal. Remember when he talked about Hard Home? Hello, we still have Whites and White Walkers and owned to poor Asha for trying to Fleo seduce Elf. Fleo Loco. I want Guac now. Bishop Games on Twitter. Hashtag owned to people who live in straw huts. They shouldn't try to throw heat on others. Haha. <laughs> hashtag glass houses. Hashtag straw houses. Hashtag tinderbox. Owned to the Mother Dragons for showing her boys they wasted a fucking trip. Hashtag cross country. <laughs> That's great. That's actually Greg great. Thompson. Own goes to Littlefinger for bringing back his manipulating skills I sorely missed. Also, one more own goes to Tyrion for being quite the host. Winky face. Um, Milo on Twitter. My own is Ramsey's meta apple fling. Hashtag RIP OSHA. And Elizabeth Bird on Twitter, my own goes to Sansa, a.k.a. Westeros' newest motivational speaker. Hashtag you go, girl. Hashtag Sansa kills Ramsay 2K16. <laughs> Gosh. Um, Carlos Alberto Cabrera Gonzalez on Facebook, my very first own, congratulations, goes to Ramsay Bolton, Lord of Winterfell, Warden of the North, and Minister of the Tourism and Minister of Tourism of Winterfell for his warm-hearted and inviting words when issuing official communications. Hashtag come and see. <laughs> this own is brought to you by the Board of Tourism of the Occupied Territory of Winterfell. Come and see. Stephen Hauser on Twitter. Own goes to John and Sansa for family reunion. Now time to retake Winterfell. Hashtag John kills Ramsay 2K16. Kate Sizemore from Twitter writes, Own to the mother of dragons for making me not care that John came back from the dead because... Holy shit. Hashtag the prince who was promised. Megan Alosio from Twitter writes, First own ever to the badass women of this episode. Girl power. Hashtag who run Westeros. Hashtag girls. girls. Bradley Russell from Facebook writes, Own to Theon for managing to elude capture when the Warden of the North is searching for you before beginning his illustrious career as a political advisor. As a great eunuch once said, The absence of desire leaves one free to pursue other things. Jonathan Blake on Facebook. The Littlefinger is a close second. Owned to Daenerys, who walked out of a significantly more homicidal fire than the first one, like, quote, Hi, 
I killed all your leaders because they were a bunch of stupid, rapey frat bros and I hated them. I'm the boss now. End quote. Hashtag, hell yes she is. Jake called her on Facebook, my first own. Welcome Jake to the club. But sadly, my last for a few months since I ship out to boot camp next week. Oh, jeez. Good luck. Thanks for service. Regardless, my own goes to Ramsey. Oh. For showing us Potter fans <laughs> a Tonks death scene. <laughs> Hashtag, Alex, oh, that hurts to even that's write. That's true. Hashtag, yeah, JK Rowling didn't even have the courage to do it on screen. Hashtag, maybe the own should go to the writers. Uh, well, Jake, I don't know how I feel about your own, but, uh, come back to us, like, six months from now, and, uh, I'll have an answer for you. <laughs> Trevor Massacre on, whoa, what a really, Messacar, I guess his name is on Twitter. Easy owned to Dario. You knew he wasn't separating with his dagger that easily. I agree, we kind of all knew that, but it's pretty cool to see all the same. And Daryl, owned to the writers for allowing Danny to get herself out of a bad situation and not be a damsel in distress. Hashtag girl power. Hashtag bow down. Rebecca J. McFarland. Own goes to Peter Baelish for arriving in the veil, looking like he's relaxing on his couch when the carriage door opens. <laughs> I noticed that. He just is still sitting. So and then chill. casually terrifies Lord Royce into submission and manipulates Robin without breaking a sweat. Hashtag does he have a couch in there? Hashtag please no to the moon door. Hashtag distracted teenager. I'm glad Benjamin that Royce didn't get the moon door. Casperson owns to Brienne for interrupting, so Davos wouldn't find out what actually happened to Shireen. I noticed that as well. Liddy Silva, my own goes to Jorah Mormont for having the willpower not to break Dario's face. Mark Gibson, owned to the guyliner. It's uh, eyeliner for guys. He says, the, <laughs> In case you didn't know. Yeah, the amount in that room on all of the calls must cost half of the Game of Thrones show's budget. <laughs> can I Can I just say I noticed that? <laughs> Faith's silly love song, Dunning. Own goes to Brienne for waking, walking up to Davos and Missy and basically saying, I killed your boy. Who gonna check me, boo? She deaf walked off with a mic drop. So many mic drops this season. Second own goes to all the mic drops. So far, LOL. <laughs> that person just gave their own to the owns. Um, Kevin Freeman on Twitter owned to Danny for starting that call barbecue. Hashtag pass the ketchup. Um, call me uh, Simon Barr on Facebook owns to Ghost whose presence was absent. I mean, where does he go all the time? Perhaps he was chewing the bones of some recently roasted crows. Uh, Ghost Kazali 2K16. Um, at Steph Nell's, my own goes to Reek's Big Mouth for being the reason why Tonksha died. Hashtag Theon Reeks. Hashtag anybody kill Ramsey 2K16. This, this persistence of calling uh, Osha Tonks is, is, is making me very happy right now. Shankwil Bam Bam Walker from Facebook writes, my first ever own goes to Daenerys. The roof. The roof. The roof is on fire. <laughs> we don't need no water. Let that motherfucker burn. Stormborn. That seems uh. lit. It was lit. That was lit. Jeff Smith from Twitter writes, Own to Asha for a good effort. Hashtag Great Northern Conspiracy 2K16 still has a chance. Working on it. Hope so. Mm -hmm. Mike Moss from Twitter writes, Own to Grand Maester Passell for his tortoise paste room exit. You made the pre Game of Thrones HBO ad seem short this week. (laughs) (laughs) He does go so slow. Okay, the ads were actually short this week, but yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Uh, Ollie. uh, He looked like he was trying. I, I think he was trying. Um, the way he stops and looks back pretty much gave it away Ollie Halton on, on Facebook owned to Sir Royce Oh, for the bewildered look he gives Robin during archery practice <laughs> <laughs> hashtag what the fuck is that kid doing hashtag try not to laugh hashtag 
What in the seven hells did I do to deserve this job? Also, sorry, Ollie, that your name is Ollie. Yeah, sorry. So you've endured this abuse. James Carson on... Yeah, we haven't really meant that he is going to kill you all this time. Okay, Ghost likes you, as a matter of fact. 2K16. <laughs> James Carson. Owen DeSansa for being willing to take on House Bolton on her own. Hashtag Queen in the North. At we can we get a, can, I, can I just get a rousing chorus of Queen in the North Queen, Queen in, in the, the North. North Queen in the North Queen in the there North Queen in the North <laughs> missing a few cars Stark <laughs> yeah <laughs> two parts Rye on Twitter owned the laws of Calcon stabbed <laughs> equals bad skull crashed Calcon Calcon stabbed <laughs> equals bad skull crushed equals you had it coming asshole hashtag can you smell what vice dothrak is cooking each other sarah clinton an anti-own to jorah's week pocket sand game but a huge own to D for giving us a stark reunion we've been so long denied hashtag yeah. i'm not crying hashtag got pocket sand in my eye <laughs> glad it went in someone's eye jorah missed spectacularly yeah. spectacularly yeah, Ian Timms, owned to ti- uh, own for the Tyrells and the Lancers for playing a game of medieval mobile strike. Hashtag best defense is defense. <laughs> Matt Shieldsey, second place owned Danny Burt number one, to the Falcon for owning Lil' Aaron. Next week, Bran wargs into the Falcon to lead the Vale army. <laughs> Scoop Emily, owned goes to whoever built that hut out of gasoline and matches. Hashtag not up to code. <laughs> Robin Rodriguez, I give it to Dollar Said for saying I was with you at Hard Home. We saw what's out there. We know what's coming here. How can you leave us now? Reminding John of his duty to the Night's Watch and the Realm. Cast request on Twitter. My own is for the explosion of Tormund Brienne fanfic we are about to receive, including Eric's. I added that to cast request mm-hmm. film, but I think that that's probably what they were trying to say. I actually have to write something, don't I? A Song of Ice and Fire whiner says, Own goes to Ramsey for hating pink. They couldn't even make the seal pink. Hashtag the white letter with the red seal. Hey, put those uh, colors together, though, Hannah. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, Mockingbird on Twitter owned to Sansa for already acting like the queen she was born to be. And on Facebook, Jill Van Sickle owned to John's man bun. <laughs> Death was good for his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Kujarshi Das, and I apologize if I misspelled your name or mispronounced your name, from Twitter writes, first time owner giving to owns to torment heart eyes can't wait to see this courtship ownage play out hashtag briam and begins brendan fitzpatrick writes two starts one frame one look one hug finally a happy reunion owned everything about that episode that that own was perfectly constructed yeah that was awesome yeah and then shannon spicer from twitter writes own goes to the high sparrow for once living the lifestyles of the rich and famous Famous, rather? <laughs> Hashtag whiskey, you're the devil. Love. Hashtag Game of Thrones. Hashtag Rob and Leech. Sam Hawley on Twitter. Brienne's casual, oh, by the way, I executed your king. K thanks. We're even now. Was worthy of an own. <laughs> I completely agree. Couldn't agree more if I tried. Uh, Trevor O'Hara owned a Dario for subtly letting Jorah know that he's tasted the juicy Khaleesi <laughs> fruit that Jorah never will. Oh, gosh. And uh, Patrick Sullivan, my own question mark? Hashtag Bastard Bowl 2K16, of course. Hashtag Get Hype. Get Hype. And uh, Nala, or Nala, at Veil Warrior on Twitter. Own to Tormund, about to book a room at the Wyndham. Marvin Gaye plays in the <laughs> background. Hashtag, let's get it on. John Webster tweeted toward us. 
Own goes to Tormund. He never had the bear, but he's got his fingers crossed for the maiden fair. At Blue Winter Rose, the pink letter owned me. Looking forward to hashtag Jon Snow and Ghost and Sansa and Brienne and 1-1 Killer Ramsey 2K16. Love it. Manny Amini, who is Eric's best friend in Kyber's Candy Corner. My three owns for season six, episode four, go to Brienne for awkwardly interrupting a conversation to casually brag about something no one asked her about. Hashtag poorly executed. Hashtag not so humble brag. <laughs> Fair. Robin, in the absence of his mother, now having a trusted confidant to help guide and lead him in Littlefinger. Hashtag new breast friend. Hashtag book of the stranger danger. And Daenerys <laughs> for channeling her inner Donald Trump and her hostile takeover of the Dothraki from the calls. Hashtag you're fired. Hashtag literally. Uh, you're fired. Clarence Worley on Twitter. Sweet Robin gets all the owns. Just stopped breastfeeding and now he's going to war. Hashtag expert bowman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Patricia Thang on Twitter says, Own ghost of a Sunday for throwing major shade at Tyrion Lannister of all people. Hashtag how many days were you a slave? Hashtag that's cute. Hashtag read um, the books. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Jamie on Twitter, Own ghost of torment for his hashtag castle black and chill look he gave to Brienne. <laughs> At Moonbite, own to Sojora the Andal for always making it a point to be present for Danny's greatest barbecues. Matt Cash from Twitter writes, My first ever own goes to Tormund's Hungry Eyes. Hashtag the bear fucker and the maiden bear. Hashtag K-Sex Part Do. Hashtag get hype. Please get hype. <laughs> Please get hype. Please clap. <laughs> Please clap. The Real from Twitter writes... My own to hashtag Ed for this ultimate single status sigh when he catches Tormund eyeing up Rianne and realizes that he'll never get the hashtag bad pussy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Chris Decker from Twitter writes, My own of the week goes to the travel agent that suggested John to go south to get warm. Hashtag getting turned with Sam in Old Town. <laughs> I want them to drink cider together. We got Jay Catone uh, at JerkyJJ. My own goes to John and Sansa for smiling for the first time in a long time. It was well acted and looked like genuine joy. I agree. Ember SC uh, at Ember Scorpio on Twitter. My own goes to OSHA for effort. Hashtag good try. Hashtag 10 points to Hufflepuff. God, I'm in love with the owns this week. <laughs> and <laughs> Jess Land uh, says owned a dollar is Ed for being the only surviving Night's Watchman with the name on the show. Hashtag what is Ed may never die. And yes. own to Tommen for uniting Lannisters and Tyrells with that fake story about the High Sparrow's plan. Marjorie isn't walking anywhere. Joshua Lee Watson, owned the Castle Black, Taylor. I can't even hold it together. Oh, you need Stark armor that no one's worn in a while? What size? Hashtag comes with the Ned cut. Hashtag 40 long. <laughs> Anthony Galino, own goes to puberty, whose bitch slap reaches all the way to the veil. Hashtag Lord of the Veil. Hashtag gangly man boy. Hashtag the Falconer. And your final own, please don't be sad, please don't cry. R plus K equals J, writes, my own goes to Ramsey for his great rap battle writing skills. I believe he's Drake's Ghost Rider. Come and see. Boom. Yes. There have been a lot of owns with hashtag 2K16. A lot of first time owns. I know. Yeah, a lot. They're still as funny as they were the first time. This I'm is Hannah's first season with the podcast, in season, and you have made her wildest dreams come true. Agreed. It's true. It's like that Grateful Dead song. Well, it's just a surefire way to guarantee that your tweet gets 
or that your own gets read on, yeah, right, on the show. Because <laughs> I'll just laugh. This is your second time, Mr. Blackfish. Yeah. Reading owns with us. I like the 2K16 stuff as well. Consider this episode an extension of the first week's episode and consider that we're already a little bit off the mark when it comes to stabilizing our emotions during the season. So add that this is the second episode in the week. We're already more off the mark stabilizing from our emotions because it's the second episode of the week. So we're, our, our voices are going to crack when we get excited about things that are exciting to us. And we're going to read tweets that say 2K16. But while our discussions may change, certain facts facts are incontrovertible and those are the ways that you can get in touch with us and send us your owns your first time owns let's do a shout out for that uh in in one of three ways which are uh, via twitter twitter.com slash game of owns you can at replies at game of owns on twitter send us your owns that way uh on facebook facebook.com slash game of owns you can scroll upon our facebook wall with your owns we do ask for those as well on there and the third way is emails. Contact GameOfOwns.com. You can email us your, your owns, and we will read them. Except uh, you won't be limited by 140 characters, which is great. Put a lot more hashtags in that way. You can. They don't make as much sense, but you can so put them in So many there. hashtags fit in emails, let's be honest. We've been getting a lot of emails about uh, Kyburn's Candy Corn and the new business. Uh, Are people started looking by- for it? How do you spell it, first off? <laughs> well, why do you ask, people? Three Qs, of course. Kyburn's Candy Corner at the corner of the Three Whores Way. In... It's, it's the corner of uh, Flea Bottom and Three Whores Way across from Janali. That's what it is. Mm. Yeah, so if you happen to be hanging out in Janali. That's where we be. Kyburn's Candy Corner will be a one-stop destination for candy and all sorts of other touristic supplies right across from Janali. So we'd love to have you there. Facebook.com slash Kyburn's Candy Corner. Q U Q Y. B U R N S Q A N D Y Q O R N E R. And I'm pleased to announce, sorry, we're pleased to announce, Kyburn's Candy Corner is pleased to announce that Krispy Kremes are now in stock. Ooh. <laughs> Finally. I'm so excited. Finally. As well as, I've been waiting for as days. well as Quit Cat. Quet bars, crackle <laughs> bars, and Cadbury eggs. Oh, they're my favorite. They're my favorite. Uh, that's the newest stock. I, I just this is this is this has taken on a life of its own, ladies and gents. And I'm not sure how much longer it can be sustained. Eric quit his job last week. You, I mean, yeah, it's serious. Yeah. Just to run <laughs> right. Kyburn's Candy Corner full time. It's true. Full time. This. Who can blame them? We're considering a limited run of t-shirts for Kyber and Candy Corner because we feel so passionate about it. And to be honest, uh, it's a place that we'd all love to go one day. So if that is something that you would be even remotely interested in, please tell us uh, somehow. The sky's the limit, guys. Now is the time to go and like Kyburn's Candy Corner on Facebook. Bottom line. We're pushing this harder than we've ever pushed anything on the show. We've never pushed anything this hard. (laughs) Have you ever been so passionate about anything? Have you ever had a dream where so. you, 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 as I, just, as I you, said before we started the show, this joke has gone on three weeks longer than I thought it would. And if you'd like to hear more of that joke and other things that we don't talk about on this podcast, we make another podcast. Brendan Blackfist, Jeff was actually a guest on A Squad of Ice and Fire this week, and we it's talked about many, it. many important things. Very important things. And also, is. Eric going to write his um, fan fiction and put that up on Patreon. Oh, geez. We can have you do uh, a reading for it for a Squadcast episode. Oh, that might be interesting. Oh, yes. I, I can't. No. You know what, though? The problem Just with that, it. Zach, I'm going to be honest. The problem with that is I cannot possibly, like, endorse through reading <laughs> I mean, out loud the crap that I'm going to write. You're not going to read like, how explicit No, I, I, I can't be. possibly. Like, I could write it. To write it is one thing, but to read it out loud, I'm not sure. I, I we'll get strike to read it. Yeah, we'll get strike <laughs> to read it. There we go. So go to patreon.com slash goo. Another week is gone.
another second episode. We're preparing our bodies for the door. Hope it doesn't hit us too hard on the heads. <laughs> Brendan Beefish, thank you so much for joining our podcast again this week. It's always Dude, a treat to have you. Thank it's you. It's a pleasure. Seriously, to be here. so much fun. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. And, you know, maybe we'll do it, get to do it again before the season lets out. You help us anchor deeper into our souls and really get to the nitty gritty of the, the feelings that we have toward this story. Well, that's important. That's why I'm here. 